Let's uh, let's thank God and look at the Word. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for the time that we have to, out of our week to sit down and fellowship with each other and rejoice in the goodness of your Son, to spend some time examining what you revealed through your holy apostles. We'd ask that we would be benefited again today. In your Son's name, amen. We are in Romans 11. Now, we've been through ten chapters of Romans. And in those ten chapters of Romans, we have learned that everything and everyone is in sin. Everything is consigned to sin. Jew and Gentile, we have learned that salvation, things of the, the, the new covenant, the promise of God is through faith, like Chris was reading out of Hebrews, exampled in Abraham. We've had the Christian behavior discussed, what the nature of it is in Romans 6, um, uh, through Romans 8, 7 and 8. We have had the objections of the elect, uh, election of the Jews uh, regarding uh, why aren't they special in this situation. Well, because it's by faith. It's not by justice. It's by mercy. And when it's by mercy, the mercy is extended to whom God wills to extend it to those with faith, which means Gentiles as well. So the, so the Jew is in a difficult spot. He has reacted to his um, centuries of election. Centuries of, not the election to salvation here. We're talking about being an elect people. We're talking about being God's chosen nation. And they have been that. And all of a sudden, St. Paul comes along and tells them that there is uh, no benefit to that. You have an advantage, it said back in the earlier part of the book, it said, you, uh, for you, to you were entrusted the oracles of God. God did speak through, God did speak through the Jews. But the Jews have rejected, as the end of chapter 10, it says in verse 21, the last verse, but of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. They could have had what the Gentiles had, right? In, in chapter 9, it says, The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, righteousness through faith. But that Israel, who pursued the righteousness which is based on the law, did not succeed in fulfilling the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it through faith, but as if it were based on works. Believing that it's the justice of God that awards salvation. I'm not allowed to speak up here. Al is trying to adjust the volume with hand signals. So if I feel the passage, I blow out the CD. I think distortion is an is integral part of rock and roll and preaching. preaching okay? That said, we have a difficulty then. What do we do with the Jew? <laughs> the Jew has rejected the faith. They have 
been upset with St. Paul, you read through the book of Acts. You read through the book of Acts, you see that the people that Paul had problems with were not the Romans. The Romans weren't into persecuting Christians yet. The people that chased St. Paul around the Mediterranean were the Jews. The ones that had him thrown in jail, the ones that tried to murder him, were the Jews. The, the Romans were a rather, rather sensible bunch of administrators. So Paul has this on his mind, and he has been dealing in his ministry to the Gentiles with the problem of the Jews. Verse 1 of chapter 11. I ask then, has God rejected his people? I mean, you get to this point, you know, you're the Gentile, we're most of us Gentiles, right? Any Jews here? Okay. Most of us Gentiles, um, because of this ministry of St. Paul, our forefathers and, the, and our nations heard the gospel, and we probably heard the gospel because of it, because Christianity entered European history, and we're descendants of Europeans, by and large. And so we could stop and say, yeah, the Jews didn't accept Jesus, they crucified the Lord of glory, serves them right. But it says, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite. We, just as a, as, a, as a preface, I've kind of given them more of a preface than I probably should, but this preface is basically saying we have got to be sure that we believe that salvation is by God's mercy. Because we can do the reverse action and Paul addresses this in this chapter, the reverse action of believing the Gentiles are the new chosen people. If it's by God's mercy, it's by God's will. If it's by God's will, it's by God's standard. And if faith, belief, is the standard, it applies to everyone, Jew and Gentile. And frankly, the Jew first. We can't start having a notion about Jews that because they've rejected their Messiah and insisted on being Jews, they're lost. They're as lost as a Mormon. They're as lost as a, you know, um, uh, a non-believer, a worshiper of Lord Krishna. They're lost. But they're not lost irrevocably. Now this is something that, that as you look, stand back from Romans 9, 10, and 11. And we're at the end of this now. We're beginning to see that the vessels of wrath mentioned in chapter 9, St. Paul, first he establishes that salvation in chapter 10 is for everyone. It has been offered to everyone. In chapter 11, he expresses his hope for the vessels of wrath. Okay? There's, the vessels of wrath are not destined in some sort of... Uh, uh, unchangeable eternal way to the wrath of God. Has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed thy prophets, they have demolished thy altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. It's a great story when, when Elijah is, thinks he's being hunted by, by Jezebel. And uh, uh, 
he is uh, unnerved by the prospect, and he believes he's the only one standing for God, and, and God reminds him, now there's quite a few people who have not bowed to Baal. And that's what Paul is getting at. He's saying there's a lot of Jews, matter of fact, most of the apostles, if not all the apostles, all the people, the first church in Jerusalem, all Jewish Christians, people that have turned from uh, the old covenant to the new. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. We cannot have salvation be on the basis of justice. We'd all be lost. We cannot have it be on the basis of works because it would not be a gift. If ever someone tries to repay you for a birthday present, say, you know, Tuesday, my birthday, you, you, you bring over a Mercedes. And you say to me, Evan, your gift, your birthday, you've, you've, uh, your preaching is with power. And uh, I feel I, I, it doesn't have to be a Mercedes. It could be something else. I say, no, let me, let me give something here. Let me help defray the cost of this gift. It's kind of um, an unpleasant moment socially. You want to give a gift. You don't want it paid for. Matter of fact, anything Evan could do towards the cost of a Mercedes is, a, is like the ability of man's works to please God unto salvation. It's, it's nothing. I've got some change in a change jar. That's it. A savings program. Grace would no longer be grace if it was by works. And the remnant of Israel, it's not like, here's a clarity, hopefully a clarity thing, and I don't know if you've heard of this, but a number of Christians think, oh, Christians are saved by grace, Jews are saved by works. No one is saved by works. The only Jews that are saved are saved by grace. They are a remnant chosen by grace. They are made elect again by grace. This is the problem in Romans 9 the Jews had a problem with is they saw that since grace was now by faith and all men could have all men could have that faith and all men could have that grace election into God's chosen people was now by the mercies of God that was really irritating to most of the Jews to some of the Jews it was the great next thing it was the answer it was the messiah it was the expectation of the old testament that God's word would go out to the whole earth and all people would be his people. But what then? Israel, verse 7, failed to obtain what it sought. The elect obtained it, that's the remnant Jews that believe, the ones that were chosen by grace, that can also, in some translations, have elect by grace. So this elect group of Jews obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Now remember what it said in Romans 9. He has mercy on whom he will and he hardens whom he will. And the question I asked you, whom does he will? As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear, down to this very day. That's out of Isaiah 29. I have that in the left-hand column. 
And David says, this is Psalms uh, 69, God gave, oh, excuse me, let their table become a snare and a trap, a pitfall and retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. There is this um, kind of stupidity. That's okay. I, I guess, I'm not sure etymologically, someone could check on this, whether stupid comes from stupor. I don't know. Somebody look it up. Let us know next week. But look what it said in that Isaiah passage before it gets to this quote. Stupefy yourselves and be in a stupor. Blind yourselves and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep. There is this thing in the Jews that somehow God has has poured out a circumstance that has reacted with them stupefying themselves, blinding themselves, refusing to listen. Because when, remember Christ, Jesus, and he taught in parables? I've mentioned this many times in the church, but when he teaches the disciples why he teaches in parables, during the, uh, the one on the uh, sower of the seed, the good... Um, uh, yeah, the sower and the seed. He says, I'm doing this so that they won't understand. I'm saying these things that the people that have, more will be given. Those that have not, what they have will be taken away. The same message hardens some and is mercy to others. And it's dependent upon whether the person has set himself up against God, has set himself up to be something other than what God wants, not to be a believer. They blind themselves, they stupefy themselves, they, they, they operate in all sorts of other religious areas, but they do not become open to faith in Jesus Christ. So it looks pretty bad for them, right? It looks like, oh, okay, okay, now we know what Christianity is. You know, God's oracles came down through the Jews, they crucified Jesus Christ, there were a few Jews that believed, they took the message to the Gentiles, the Gentiles really, really dug it, and, boy, it took off there, the Jews. Well, a few became Christians, and that's what we have today. A few Jewish Christians and um, the rest Gentiles. And here it is. You know, they've, they've, they've been blinded since that day. Okay. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't say those vessels of wrath are stuck. Because he then says, so I ask, have they stumbled so as to fall? We've already redeemed a few, the remnant, the elect, those chosen by grace, those who believed. Those Jews have been saved. They have been joined with the Gentile. There's now neither Jew nor Greek. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the nature of this salvation. Now, what about these guys that were God's chosen people that didn't believe, that were not part of the remnant, that were vessels of wrath that God's patience waited for. Have they stumbled so as to fall? They're stumbling. It talks about them that way. They've stumbled over the, the cornerstone, the stumbling block of Christ. They can't deal with mercy. Have you ever run into someone like that who just can't? They're so pleased with themselves. They're so sure that they've got a lot to offer Christianity. We sometimes talk this way. We meet a non-Christian who's really kind of neat, you know. And we say, oh, they make a great Christian. 
Nobody would make a great Christian. No one is good enough. Oh, they're the kind of person you like, the kind of person you'd be. You could say, they'd make a great friend. But only through the remedial work of the grace of God on their sins would anybody make a great Christian. Nobody brings anything to this that justly they deserve to be a Christian. No one deserves it. We've got to watch out that we don't think that we don't need to deal with God's mercy. So I ask, have they stumbled so as to fall? By no means. But through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Because they refuse to listen, Paul says this a number of times, I think in the book of Acts, uh, uh, towards the end, when he's in Rome, as a matter of fact, um, last chapter of Acts, verse 28, 28, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. That happens a number of times in Paul's ministry as the Jews set themselves up against God, set themselves up against mercy and faith and grace being the entry to election. But even then, though they chase Paul out of town, though they, they, they uh, try to um, have him killed, they're stumbling over Jesus Christ. They're stumbling over what this message is. And even that is not unforgivable. Now, if their trespass, verse 12, means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Paul has got a lot of hope. Back in chapter uh, 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Chapter 9, verse 1, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen by race. These chapters are all about Paul's laboring to win anyone out of the Jewish people. That's the hardest nut to crack for him. The Gentiles, they're thrilled to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're thrilled. You sometimes, those of you who had any kind of international ministry, sometimes you talk to someone from communist China, they haven't heard of Christianity. They're just amazed at this religion. They're amazed by it. They want to hear all about it. They don't have any defenses up. You talk to Americans, it's a different matter. They've got this sort of American belief system that Christianity is, oh, you're just trying to be too religious. The Jews were like that. They didn't want to have the grace of God. Now, verse 13, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. So he's been, remember, he's been back and forth about who he's kind of talking to in the book. Jews, Gentiles, sometimes a mix. Now he's speaking exclusively to the Gentiles. He says, inasmuch as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles... I magnify my ministry. What he's doing right now is he is stressing that he goes to the Gentiles. He is stressing that so as to make Israel jealous, right? I magnify my ministry in order to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Paul doesn't see that their 
again, made to be vessels of wrath, is anything that grace can't fix because that's the nature of grace. When you are a vessel of wrath and you have chosen to rebel against God, the nature of God's mercy is that it has nothing to do with who you are. It doesn't mean if you're a Gentile, it doesn't mean if you're a Jew, it doesn't mean if you're a Jew that hates God. If you fall to your knees and believe, you will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Jew or Greek, slave or free, doesn't matter. That's the nature of, when we stop and say, this is the nature of the Jews, and I start to think, look at their reaction. (coughs) Look at their reaction. How can God save them? Well, are you believing that God saves on the basis of works? And you say, well, they're not going to be just saved this way. No. But just because they've sinned against God, just because they have um, given the gospel a hard time and made it impossible, tried to kill the apostles. Remember, St. Paul was killing the other Christians before he was saved. Maybe that's why he's got such hope. He sees how depraved they are. He sees how you know, into the wrath of God they are. But that's exactly where he was. He was a Pharisee persecuting the church. And he saw the grace poured out to him. He wants to save some of them. For if their rejection means reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, that's sort of a cryptic remark. He goes in to explain what he's kind of talking about. Um, And this is, of course, another one of those passages people fight over. Some people into the covenant to make this all about covenants. I'm not of that persuasion. But this illustration, he says, there is this if the dough, a part of the dough, a piece of the dough, is a holy piece, the first fruits is a whole holy, so is the whole lump. It's sort of like the whole leaven thing. If, it's, if the, the part that came off is holy, the part offered is holy, the whole lump is holy. In fact, another type of illustration, if the root is holy, the tree is holy. Okay? If the root's holy, the branches are holy. Belonging, all you can say about that remark is, if I belong to a holy thing, I am made holy. All right? If I am included in the holy thing, if I am listed among the, the belonging to whatever this belonging is, I, am, I share in what the, the, the bedrock condition is. He then follows the illustration of the tree. He leaves the dough thing. He may have just said it and said, oh, you know, I can't work with the dough thing. I can't uh, build a, you know, it starts to get a little bit But branches and root, branches and tree, I can do this. Look what he says. But if some of the branches, verse 17, were broken off, and you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in their place to share in the riches of the olive tree, do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. Remember he says, now I'm talking specifically to you Gentiles. Now, he's not talking so much about, it doesn't seem to me, about personal salvation or inclusion in the church. Okay? Because the question is, what's the tree? 
He never tells you what the tree is. He just says, if the root's holy, but it seems to be he's talking to the Gentiles about them having been included in the benefits the Jews had. But the Jews didn't have salvation by being Jews. Okay? We get the richness of the root that the Jews had. It says that the cultivated olive tree had branches cut off, and what is it? It says wild olive trees. So it's kind of like humanity. You have barbarians, and you have civilized. You have the Gentile, and you have the Jew. We're all human beings, but wild olive tree here and cultivated olive tree there, they'll work together. I can graft a wild olive shoot onto a cultivated olive tree and have it work, have it benefit. Now that it is included in the holy root, it is benefiting by its inclusion in the holy root. Now, Paul is not clear, like I said, about what the tree is. So you can give us some thoughts, see if you, uh, if you have a... Uh, ability to untie what he's saying. I don't think he's giving enough hints in the passage, but I would say this, given the rest of Romans, that the tree is at least in part the revelation of God. Because when he says, what value the Jew, right, back in, ooh, somewhere, in... uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews are entrusted with the oracles of God. Okay? Um, It says in chapter 9, They are Israelites. To them belong the sonship, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and of their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. They have this benefit of the revelation of God. They are the people to whom God revealed himself. As C.S. Lewis said, that God revealed himself to the Jews in words. Whereas to the rest of the peoples, the Gentiles, the Greeks, he revealed himself in pictures. But the Jews had it in words, propositional truth, prophets that spoke the word of God. Now we, as Gentiles, wild olive shoots, when the, when the unbelievers are, are, are lopped off, pruned off this tree, whatever this tree is, this benefit, this holy good that, that was credited to the Jews, the oracles of God, we're grafted in. We stand here, here we stand in North Idaho, with a piece of paper off my HP 5000 laser printer with portions of Isaiah in the margins. We're Gentiles for crying out loud. Why don't we have Beowulf in the margins? Because we've been grafted into the benefit that God has brought to the Jews. The Jews, by their unbelief, were cut off. Remember that you don't support the root. You are standing on it. You are benefiting by it. We are not this this great vanguard of God. We are the children of God that have benefited through his revelation of himself. Verse 19, but you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. 
That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. Now, remember, inclusion in the benefit of whatever this tree is, is by belief. Okay? You are elect by grace. Grace is poured out to those that God wills to pour it out to. He has mercy on whom we have mercy. Who does he desire to have mercy on? Those that believe. And the Jews were trimmed off because they did not believe. And you were grafted in because you believed. And you stand fast only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. (coughs) This is the wonder of it. The awe is, I've got no control over this. There is just my submission to the truth of it. God does the grace to me. He grafts me in. He judges man and cuts them off. He has mercy on some and grafts them in. And it's just because of your, your trust, your belief in him. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It wouldn't be by grace then. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Now, once you start to identify what the tree is in your own mind, it starts to dictate what you do with certain passages. If you say, the tree is Christianity, well, then this would give, say, someone who believes in no eternal security the ability to say, well, see, if you lose your faith, you get cut off, just like the Jews got cut off. Um, so it depends on, it really depends on what you identify the, the tree as. I, I, I think the tree is really, the, the, in my, my own thinking, the revelation of God, the benefit of God down through the ages that the Jews had direct access to. It was their gift, it was their point of election, and we now benefit from that. And if our nation, if our Gentile framework starts to disbelieve, we will lose, we will lose our connection to that benefit. We will be cut off as well. As, and I'm, I'm thinking broadly as Gentiles, not as individuals. Because just like the Jews that believed didn't get cut off, it wasn't like all the Jews got cut off just because they were Jews. Those that didn't believe, people will lose their... You talk to any non-believer today, there's almost an absence of biblical knowledge. Non-Christians used to know a lot about the Bible. Right? You learned it in school. I, when I was a, in fourth grade, we had Bible reading, public school, every morning. Prayer, salute the flag. They don't even salute the flag anymore. Any of you read P.G. Woodhouse? Some of his best jokes are biblical references. But it took, I don't think he was a Christian. He was funny, and if... Salvation was by sense of humor alone. He'd be there, but he's not, I don't think. And consequently, consequently, we realize that our nation, our people, have lost lost this benefit. Has the has the United States or the Western world, especially Europe, far worse than we are, lost any sense of benefit from having been grafted in as Gentiles? to this possibility, but their unbelief has had them cut off again. You will be cut off. You are, you're, you're, this message has gone to you, and you get grafted in. Did you take to it? It's 
kind of like a, an adaption of the uh, Sermon of the Sower. People who received the message with joy, and then when the cares of this world sprang up, they were choked. There's some people that you graft the Gentile world in, give them an opportunity the Jews had and lost, and some respond with belief. You are kept in by belief. Note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. There seems to be a connection between being in his kindness and believing. We're in his mercy by believing. So if ever you want to know, when it says God has mercy on whom he will, ask yourself whom he will. We stay in his kindness by belief. And even the others, if they do not persist in their unbelief, will be grafted in. God's kindness, remember, is abundantly greater than justice. Abundantly greater than his wrath. The people that have kicked God in the shins the most through human history could fall on their faces crawl in the name of the living God and be saved. If they do not persist in their unbelief, they will be grafted back in. If God has the power to graft them in again, for God has the power to graft them in again, for if you have been cut off, been cut from what by nature is a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? But only by belief. There's going to be no time in history when Judaism will reestablish itself as a religion with a temple in Jerusalem where the sacrifices will be offered by a real priesthood and God will accept it, the religion of the Jews. He will not. There is only the religion of Jesus Christ. And there possibly will come a time when the Jews will repent. Out of centuries of jealousy of the Gentiles, there may come a time. Paul prayed for it. Paul worked for it. They are natural adherents to the tree. Lest you be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brethren. Okay, just in case you get uppity about being a Gentile. Okay? A hardening has come upon part of Israel until the full number of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer has come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. It's out of Isaiah 59. When it says the full number of Gentiles, um, I don't think there's like a number. Just personally, I just don't think that this is saying... It's more like a uh, figure of speech about to all the Gentiles that come in, come in. You, again, it's a point of, dis- you could disagree with me without any, I don't have any objection with the disagreement. Um, but whatever the case, he's already established in the book of Romans that the true Jew is the one who has faith, right? Was that chapter 6? I don't remember. I won't spend my time, but he has established it. You probably remember it. 
that the true Jew is someone who has faith, the truly elect individual. So when the remnant Jews are saved and the Gentiles are saved, all Israel will be saved. And he even has hope for those who refuse to listen. He has hope for those who have just disbelieved and are not even part of the remnant, not part of the, the seemingly winnable, but just completely blinded, bowing their heads at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Paul has hope for them. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God. That's where they stand, is they've juxtaposed themselves against salvation by faith against the mercies of God because they know that the key decision for the Jew is do I stop being special? To become truly elect by God, I have to admit I'm not special. That God's mercy is to anyone who has faith. Jew and Greek, it says that in Ephesians chapter 1, 2. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. That's what God's up to. The Jew doesn't like that. They still want to have their previous career treated with some specialness. They are enemies of the gospel for your sake. But as regards election, they're beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Because what their, their connection in the past to what has happened in God's revelation, they're special. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may receive mercy. So St. Paul is hoping that all people who are in the state of wrath, that God's mercy is slowly marching over and turning over even disobedience into mercy. They were disobedient, the message went to the Gentiles, so the Gentiles benefited. So now, when they see the mercy given to the Gentiles, they also may receive mercy. And verse 32 is a great verse. For God has consigned all men to disobedience, that he might have mercy upon all. That's where we started with the beginning of Romans. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has been consigned to sin. Nobody is different. Everybody is guilty. Everyone needs the mercy. No one's special enough to have this taken away, and only the mercies of God. Only the mercies of God can remove it. So if the mercies of God can remove it, consequently, it's for all humanity. The problem is human. The answer is human. Excuse me. The problem is across the board human. The answer is across the board for humans. So we can't have this sort of provincialism and, and we're the Jews, we're better than you. And until you drop that, no one's good enough. Everyone has to recognize their disobedience. We have got to, as Gentiles, not be puffed up with conceit, not to reverse the order of the sense of election. We are somehow the covenant people. 
as soon as I start talking, as soon as I start talking about a covenant people, as if we in our families were better off because of it, it is no longer by God's mercy, no longer God's mercy by faith alone. It starts to become just like the Jews. Just the new Anglo-Saxon British Israelism or something like that that says that somehow the people in Israel are more, people in Britain are more chosen by God. Some people do that with America. They're kind of work their patriotism into some sort of religious fever pitch. And so they want to believe that somehow America is chosen by God. Everybody has this temptation, but that's not the way the mercies of God works. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, Jew, Gentile. His mercy, his grace, your faith, that's all. Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for your mercies to us, for grafting us in, that we might benefit from the richness that you had revealed to the Jews. We'd ask that we would have as much hunger to have them be saved as St. Paul did, and that everyone that we meet, we would understand that they've been disobedient, you're willing to be merciful, you're willing to have them dwell in your kindness if they would only believe. We'd ask that you would give us a great sense of your mercy, a great sense of your grace, and how we would not be like Jonah, but we would desire the repentance of the world. That we'd see sin as just qualifications for Christianity. We're grateful that our sins were forgiven, Lord. We're grateful that you have been merciful to us. We'd ask that we would extend mercy to the ungodly. In your son's name, amen.